0: Hello and happy new year, fam. And my birthday was on New Year's Day, so happy birthday to me. And for you avid listeners out there, you know that I don't really do intros for these episodes anymore, but I wanted to do a quick one for this one to welcome us all into 2024 together as one united soul fam. And also because you're about to experience a special episode with my husband, Luke. And while it was originally recorded for his podcast, The Lifestylist, we ended up covering so much potent and fun ground together that I decided it should also air right here on Ceremony Circle. So get ready to hear everything from answering your listener questions to our rituals and practices for connecting and goal setting for our partnership, a preview of the couples retreat we're hosting in 2024, and much, much more. All right, let's get on into it. Welcome to Major Realizations and Visions from a Higher Power Couple with me and my husband, Luke Story.
1: All right, wifey, this is episode 514, 514 episodes of the Lifestylist podcast. This is our second annual year in review show. And um, I don't know how we're going to pack all of this in, but we'll see what happens. We'll do our best.
0: Yeah, it's always easy for us to weave together, which is why I always chuckle. when, before you and I, of all people, sit down, you're always like, oh, you know, you, you get a touch of whatever it is, butterflies, nerves, which is cute and funny for me to witness in you.
1: Well, it's a good sign that after, how many years we've been together?
0: I, we never know.
1: However long how, it is. How many
0: lifetimes, you know. It's
1: a good sign that I get butterflies still.
0: Yeah, but I like that it's episode 514. Um, I don't live my life according to anything but God and my own soul directives. But in numerology, that adds up to a one. And I am a one in numerology, like through and through and through, you know, first baby born in the hospital on New Year's Day, which is obviously the first day of the new year, the first letter of the first name of my is the first letter in the alphabet. Like, I mean, I could go on and on and on. I'm such a one. And so it makes sense that this is a one episode.
1: Excellent. For those listening, you can find the show notes at lukestory.com slash 2023. This being the last episode of the year. Uh, So I think what we'll do here, and you have your notes and I have my notes, and neither of us know what those notes contain, which is fun. Um, But what I had envisioned was doing a bit of a review of things that have happened in the world and in our lives uh, this year, and then a peek forward into the coming year.
0: Yeah, that's what I have, uh, kind of like crossing the threshold, reflections and visions
1: reflections and visions that's a good title for this i might already have a title i forget but i like that uh well the first thing is that i'm most excited about i think because it's most recent is uh that i finally got my apparel line up and live on a website which was (laughs) quite an endeavor some listening will have seen some of it uh, on social media and whatnot, or maybe... You can see it right now it. on me. Oh, that's right. Allison has... Uh,
0: vitamin Ds.
1: Yeah, the Vitamin Ds, because she's a sun worshiper it's like my myself. favorite
0: one. I just like the Ds nuts jokes. And so <laughs> when you were running down the list of all your downloads for the shirts that you had coming in and ceremonies and stuff, I, Vitamin Ds has always been my favorite.
1: Well, I'm a huge fan of memes, and I also worked for way too long in the fashion industry, as you know, Uh, and I like interesting clothes and designs and art and things like that, and I've always wanted to do some sort of clothing line, but I didn't really have the bandwidth to do like a full-on clothing line, Uh, so I thought t-shirts and hoodies and caps would be easy to do, little did I know unless you want to print them all yourself and keep boxes of stuff in the garage and ship it out, you have to do what's called POD or print on demand. Um, and it was exceedingly difficult to find a company that could do 100% organic or not. <laughs> no, I tried organic for those listening, by the way. For
0: months. Uh, uh,
1: yeah. I mean like six months, no one would do organic print on demand, but I did finally find 100% cotton at least and ethically sourced. And, and all even
0: that, that was a challenge.
1: It was a bitch. Um, but what, spurned the idea was just wanting to do it for a while. And then one day I did a, I don't know, like three hour Rasha meditation. Some listening will know um, the Rasha, it's a scalar sort of quantum energy healing device. And it puts you in a really deep meditative state. And uh, I luckily had a pen and paper nearby and I don't know, 60 some odd ideas for shirts, popped into my consciousness out of the ethers, the muse delivered, and some of them were pretty good. And so,
0: so that's... And they've just continued, you know, you'll have random spurts where you're like, oh, you know, these 20 new ones came in today and they're all pretty solid. I mean, some are super epic, but they've all been good.
1: Yeah, there there were like 10 that I put on the back burner and some of them were a little too controversial, I think. so. I, I don't want to be, I don't mind being polarizing uh, because, you know, being polarizing is also being magnetic.
0: And authentic.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, the vitamin D's is one of my favorites. Um,
0: you love the 5G's, not 5G.
1: 5G's with a little mushroom, not 5G with the cell tower. That that might be my favorite of this collection.
0: You wear that one a lot.
1: Yeah, I like that one. Um, the Run DMT hat with the Run DMC logo.
0: <laughs> you like your little dare mug.
1: Yeah, dare, like the uh, 80s. Deterrent from using drugs. Dare, drink ayahuasca, remember everything. The Don't Spike My Proteins is a big hit with a red, you know, beer cup. Um, there's tons of them. Anyway, you can find that at lukestory.com slash merch. And there'll be more. I think I'm gonna do a collection like every season, kind of like how a fashion brand does. Even oh, okay. Though, yeah. So this will be the um the fall collection, as it were, and then we'll do a winter collection sometime in in Q1.
0: So yeah, just to let everyone know, you have youth, women's, men's, t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats. It's a whole plethora of options.
1: Thanks, honey. You should do. You should do my commercials.
0: <laughs> I can do that. I can do the voiceover. I
1: guess that was. I don't want to model for but it. But honestly, maybe. it's it's just something I'm really excited about, and it's you know it's like affordable for most people. They're like I don't know. 35 bucks, to 45 or something like that. It's it's not a big investment. And
0: yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and you've done a really great job. I mean, being witness, I can attest to the painstaking process that you choose to undergo so that it looks highest level. The fabric is highest level. You even hired, you know, you could have gone the route of like working with the website team that's shipping them out for you to design them. But that wasn't high enough for you so you chose to pay out of your own pocket to bring in a designer shout out to to brie
1: brie killed it yeah. brie if you ever hear this thank you so much because I knew like with the 5g's not 5g I mean all I knew is just a funny and meaningful statement and I knew I wanted a mushroom for the 5G's and a cell tower but I don't know how to draw like I don't I don't know how to use you, you know, like draw by hand or on a computer. So yeah, she delivered them all. And there were very few edits. I mean, most of them I was like, cool, nailed it, done. But yeah, the designs are pretty fun and fashionable. It's not just like a slogan t-shirt, you know, like, I don't know.
0: For a merch line, it's high level.
1: Thanks, honey. LukeStory.com sla- slash merch. We're going to talk about my, my dental upgrade. I'm still having a hard time um, saying certain words with S's and things like that. Took me months to learn how to say the lifestylist. I'm still learning how to say that one. Um, So that's that. That's probably the thing I'm most excited about from this year and going into the new year. Um, This, of course, is the last episode of the year. The first episode of 2024 is going to be one that's potentially uh, going back to the word polarizing for some people, um, and that would be Alex Jones the most censored person in the entire world. And that will drop this coming Tuesday, uh, the first of 2024. My
0: birthday.
1: Drops on your birthday.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Uh, and I'll just say about that. And then I'll see what, you know, your take was because you were here in the house when he was here all day. I mean, I think we recorded for four hours. It was, um, <laughs> it was something. It was a wild experience, but uh, when I posted on Instagram, just a you know, kind of a behind the scenes photo or whatever, I would say it was 98% positive feedback of people going, ooh, this is gonna be interesting. And then, you know, five to two percent of people going, like, I hate your guts, I'm never listening to your podcast again. Um, you know, which is totally cool. You can't please everyone all the time. Or how's the saying goes? It says you can please some of the people some of the time. <laughs> I forget how it goes. Yeah. You can please all of the people some of the time. You can't pull, you can't please all the people all the time. Whatever. Um, I want to preface it by just saying, I'm gonna talk to whoever I feel like talking to. If I find someone interesting, um, and he's certainly an interesting person to me, I'm gonna talk to them. And, you know, people can reserve the right to skip that episode or never listen again if they think I'm an evil person for simply talking to someone. But I would also say that if, uh, and this is true of anyone in the public arena, um, not exclusive to Alex Jones, but I would say if you're getting your information and basing your perspective on someone based on how they are framed by the corporate media, you might want to dig a little bit deeper. And and that's true of people even with whom I disagree. Um, If you look at the track record of media, especially when I'm talking about the mainstream corporate media, when they seek to vilify someone, they have a horrific track record of lying through their teeth. So, you know, there's going to be people that just don't like the guy. There's going to be a lot of people that do, but I would encourage people to have an open mind And to check that episode out, because unfortunately, whether you like him or not, the guy's been right about 99% of the stuff that he's been talking about on the internet and on TV and radio and whatever for the past 29 years. And I wish he was wrong more often. I really do. When I first heard him, I don't know, 25 years ago, whatever it was, I thought this guy is really entertaining and he's crazy and there's no way the things he's talking about with the new world order and uh, all of this stuff.
0: Bohemian Grove. Yeah.
1: I mean, I was just like, there's no way this stuff can be true. The world can't be that messed up. Um, And as we've seen over the past three and a half, four years, um, you know, again, unfortunately, many of the things that he has predicted uh, or foreseen have come um, to be. So kind of like David Icke, I had David Icke on the show and he used to also be entertaining and sound kind of crazy. And then fast forward a couple decades and you're like, oh shit, he was right about way too much stuff. So uh, that one's going to be for me really fun just because it was such an interesting conversation. I mean, we talked about the moon landing, uh, Freemasons, plant medicines, a lot just about general good versus evil and duality. Um, Of course, the widespread censorship that he's faced, which then was a domino that's opened the door for censorship for people even like me who are much less controversial. But again, my thing is I'm after the truth and I don't really care who the truth comes from and whether they have a pleasant personality or yell a lot on the internet or whatever. Um, I'm just after Understanding the nature of the universe and reality and what makes our world tick and how to make it a better place. So And
0: you do a very good job um, you know, as as someone who lives with you every single day, you are very adept and masterful at uh, approaching things from a place of neutrality and just making up your own mind and your own decisions. You know, you're not an easily programmable person, and so, Yeah. And it was interesting for me, you know, I, I'm not someone who knows much about him. I'm not like you. I haven't listened or watched him for, I don't know how long, 20 years you've been, I don't know, just kind of. I think
1: I found his stuff and I, you know, I haven't consistently been a viewer or listener per se, but, um, I think I learned of him shortly after 9-11 because he was one of the people asking um, questions about that. And I had some questions about it. So <laughs> however many years ago that was, that was about the time I became aware of him and David Icke and a number of other people that uh, were kind of um, pioneers in I guess what you could broadly call the truth movement, which didn't have a name, but just people who are asking questions and identifying conspiracies. But yeah, what, what, was, what was your experience not knowing really anything about the guy other than me going like, wow, this is wild. Alex Jones is coming to our house, and to I'm you that like, didn't okay. <laughs> You're like, okay, that was, didn't mean a lot to you, but to me it's just it's an interesting day for sure. You know, it's about to unfold. What was your experience of him or things that you heard in the background that we were talking about?
0: I mean, yeah, I can't. I I remember that day. There were a couple of things you guys talked about that, you know, after the fact, I was like, oh, when he was saying this, but I, I don't remember right now, what I recall from your chat, what I can speak to, uh, lightly is, and it's the only thing I can really speak to. And it's just my experience with him in our home. It was interesting. I didn't go in with any preconceived notions or perspectives, but my experience with Alex was, he was an incredibly sensitive, humble kind man. And, um, that's my honest experience. He came in, yeah, just very, very humble and, and very down to earth. And to be very honest and transparent, you know, I was quite surprised. I don't know if saying he's, he was insecure at times, maybe insecure is not the right word, but for someone who has been on the air for hours a day for decades I was really surprised when you guys would take breaks or when he would come downstairs and I would be down there during some breaks and he would say like am I doing a, am I doing a good job <laughs> or do you know asking and I'm just like it's going you guys are having a vibe you know it's it's going really great I was surprised at his um lack of ego and, and arrogance and the last little thing I'll say that I found interesting, um, you know, because you've sent me little clips here and there to watch. And yeah, I guess at times he can be just so boisterous and, you know, pounding the desk and things. And the one on one personal experience that I had of him in our sacred temple of a home was quite the opposite. So it was, it brought up an interesting reflection to me, of how, um, you know, sometimes people who are appointed with really big, bold, polarizing missions, sometimes those big, bold, polarizing missions can come from a very humble place. And I'm not at all trying to compare myself and my mission to his, but I could relate in the sense that, you know, I was given the medicine name Rockstar Shaman from the divine, you know, uh, reiterated that that's what I was to use from Ascended Master Jesus, who's my main guide. And I was very aware right out of the gate, the boldness of that medicine name, the bigness of that, the responsibility of that. But I live in devotion to the divine. And So yes, you know, there's that big, bold name and mission that I'm appointed and that I say yes to because I'm appointed that by the divine. But I, in real life, I'm an incredibly humble, down-to-earth, kind, warm, gentle person. I am not arrogant. I am not egoic. That name does not come from an egoic place. Uh, It actually comes from the most humble of places. I went on a shamanic journey to like consult Jesus if I was in fact supposed to use that name. And so there was just that really unexpected relational touch point that surfaced in my time getting to know him and and witnessing him off air. And I guess that's the only thing I want to share for people that are willing to be open-minded is that um, people can hold drastically different things within themselves publicly and personally. I think that's it.
1: Yeah, I always find it interesting to get your take on people. I mean, not just public figures, but you're such a great um, judge of character. (laughs) And I think, I mean, you just have incredible intuition. And I think one of your gifts which is probably a burden. Well, I know it's a burden to you at times because <laughs> we talk about it a lot. But you can really see through people, you know, and and that enables you to see the purity and the goodness in people. Uh, as you describe, even someone who's controversial, you 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 know, you're able to put your prejudice aside and just kind of go, what what's the read I'm getting on this person's energy, their heart, um, their intention? Um, maybe the burden part of it is um, that y- you're a real shadow seer. And, um,
0: I carry a lot of hidden knowledge.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many people that we've been around or that I've introduced you to, and I think they're just great. And, you know, I just kind of don't give that much thought into it. Oh yeah, they're cool. Whatever. Let's hang out. And then, then you show me things that, um, I believe to be true about them. And it's, it's not in a judgmental way. It's just in an observational way, kind of a neutral. Well, here's kind of what I see, and I'll be down most of the time, maybe even every time, actually, you've been right. you know So um, I found that interesting about that. you know it was just cute to see like knowing nothing about this guy who's one of the most famous people in the world. you yeah,
0: know. I had no um, I, I for, don't know. For
1: people that you know, uh, find him abhorrent and despise him for whatever reason, and people that are obsessed with him and love him, I mean, he's a really popular person in the world. Um, so to get your take of like, wow, that guy was, after he left, you're like, wow, he was really sweet. What a great guy, you know?
0: Well, the sensitivity in his eyes is potentially what struck me the most. I could just see so much like quivering and sensitivity and, um, like a small boy, like there was so much deep and pain. It was almost like a painful sensitivity that he carries.
1: Yeah. I mean... The guy's been in a battle uh, for a long time, you know, I think because he saw some things about the way the world works and people that uh, are in control of civilization and have been for a very long time. He's been fighting these people in his own way through media for a really long time. And um, I got the sense uh, in the same way it's it's like someone that had just come back from war or something at most, you know. Yeah. It's just like, man, it's, <laughs> I
0: think that's a good It's taking a toll
1: it. on the guy. And um, you know, and I don't I don't feel sorry for him. He's he put himself in the arena. Um, and I feel regardless of how his um delivery comes across, I, I do get the sense that his intention is based on his care for humanity and for his own kids and their future. And I, I do think he's coming from uh a good place. Um, and I think that that's taken a toll. I mean, I know for me, if I pay too much attention to things that are going on into the world, and this has been especially true in the past few years because of COVID and everything that we've been subjected to, um, in terms of just tyranny and, uh, you know, um, mass media trauma-based mind control and everything that's kind of been thrown at us. If I pay too much attention to that dark side of the world, it gives me a lot of anxiety. So I can only imagine um, what it's like to be just constantly in that field. As so it seems, the guy's on air like four hours a day, um, you know, fighting these demonic forces. So I, you know, it's not a job I would want. Um, but that's that's kind of the sense I got too. It's like, man, this guy's really been on the front lines for a long time. Um, So that said, um, I had a really, really fun time. I was laughing my ass off. I mean, he's a very entertaining um, person. And um, you know, hopefully people that see that episode pop up in their feed in a couple of days, um, out of curiosity, if nothing else, give it a listen, because um, even if they don't agree with some of the things he said in the past or some of the things he said in the conversation I had with him, there's definitely a lot of truth in there and a lot of inside baseball in terms of how the world works. And that episode's going to be called something to the effect of uh, the mystic behind the madman, I think is what I'm calling it. And so we talked a lot about, as I said, just the basis of good and evil and God and duality.
0: Yeah. Well, that's certainly <laughs> a dominating... Uh... Theme on the planet right now. The only thing real quick that I, I'm now remembering, I remember hearing you chuckling when he was like impersonating a demon or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Something like that. Yeah.
1: He, he was very animated. Yeah. It was funny. He was
0: like channeling through an experience he had witnessed or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He told some wild stories. I mean, he, there's a lot of stuff that he talked about that I've I mean, he may have talked about it before. I, I haven't heard every interview he's done or anything by by any stretch, but um, yeah, he was talking about experiences where he, they had attempted to seduce him, seduce him into the dark side,
0: right, and, at and, a very young age.
1: Yeah, and rituals, eyes wide shut, kind of stuff, and and all of this, and he was imitating, you know, the demonic energies of some of these people that seem to be um, animated by you know, very dark, if not satanic forces, you know, yeah, which is objectively true. And it's just the way the world works. I mean, when you look at the evil that's perpetuated by the ruling class and has been historically, I mean, they're not being guided by benevolent love and light entities. you
0: know, Their, their focus is not their connection with the divine.
1: Yeah, definitely not. So anyway, that's, um, we're going to start the new year off like that. And, um, I think it'll be fun. Um, at least for 98% of the people listening. And like I said, those that don't find it fun, just like skip that episode. There's plenty more positive messages coming at you in 2024. Uh, the next thing that's been huge for me this year is uh, writing my first book, which has been, (laughs) as you know, (laughs) a couple years in the making. Um, Started it when we were living in LA and uh, the proposal and whatnot. And uh, the proposal process for those that have never written a book is to me the most difficult and tedious because it's I don't know. It's more linear and analytical and has to do with formatting documents. And it's, it's, it
0: can be very arduous.
1: You, I watch you go through the process of writing. That was what
0: that laugh was that, that I did a minute ago is like, now I get to watch you go through what I went through.
1: Yeah. um, It's so
0: worth it. But wow.
1: Yeah. And you're really so much of the inspiration for me doing it, you know, when we got together and you moved in and then, you know, they put us all in house arrest and you just were like, cool, I'm going to finish my book. Um, But just watching the whole process was, I mean, in a way discouraging because you're, you're interfacing with a captured industry in many ways. And there are, you know, rules and political correctness and all this stuff that you had to navigate, um, maybe more so than I will, we'll see. But, um, you know, in deadlines and working with editors and track changes on your Word documents and just all the technical aspects of writing, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to put my thoughts on paper and then it just gets published. There
0: are minute. a lot of other brains involved as to how the it things should go.
1: Yeah, so animal power happened. The card deck happened. Um, people love your book. I mean, I see it all over the world every time. You know, just a couple of days ago, we were recording a podcast and uh, our guest, Caroline Allen from Beam Minerals, is like, oh my God, I have to look at that book. She's like pulling cards. And I mean, you did it. So I think, well, if you can do it, maybe I can do it. So um, yeah, and the book essentially is about the theme of existential loneliness and um, how childhood trauma, sexual trauma, um, addiction, neglect, abandonment, enmeshment, um, birth trauma. It's about all of these experiences that have taken place in my life, but also take place to some degree in the lives of so many of us and lead to this emptiness and discontent that some of us fill with addictions and some of us fill with... um, Numbing and avoiding, and so it's a book all about spirituality and um, ways in which we can emotionally heal. So it's a and very even
0: even on the spiritual path. Like my, remember this year, the thing that I needed to to really trust. It was it was maybe one of the biggest thresholds, if not the biggest that I've crossed over was the fear that if i allowed myself to ascend to this level of consciousness that had been calling and beckoning to me for years that i would be left alone up there that that was where my fear of this existential loneliness comes from so it comes from both ends of the spectrum the ascension side and you know the dark side it's it's like it can it can come in that feeling of existential loneliness it can sneak in at any point on the life spectrum, I guess is my point. So it's an important book.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it is. I think, um, I mean, it's important to me, you know, it's one of those things. There's no way, uh, once I sort of got the concept of it and the purpose behind it, which is just very simply to help people become connected to themselves and in so doing, be able to become connected to other people. Um, once I got that and it landed, I mean, now there's no turning back, but sometimes because it is a challenging process, sometimes I'm like, God, why did I have this idea? I could just have so much more time to hang out and live my life. And it's 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 challenging in many ways. It's also fun and creative. And I'm, I'm learning how to write. I chose not to work with a ghostwriter. I chose not to self-publish. I'm doing it in the way that's maybe the more difficult path of really having some skin in the game, but, um, I think why it will be impactful for me and some other people that read it eventually. And, you know, it takes a long time to write a book and then put it out. We're probably talking a about long journey. a couple of years from now, this book that I'm talking about will come out, but, um, it's, it's that, I don't think I could do it if it was just something that was like a calling card for my career or something, you know, I wouldn't be motivated to do it, but now it's like this burning desire to share the hard-earned wisdom that I've accumulated over the course of my life and, and, um, all of the adversities that I've overcome, you know, and, uh, it's there's no way i couldn't do it now so now um you know having where we are right now is i have an agent who's amazing shout out to jadri and um you know she's been so helpful and hands on and then the next step is you shop it around to publishers and you know hopefully someone likes it and wants to pick it up and then you got a real deadline and <laughs> you got to start writing oh well,
0: they're going to want to scoop it up it's you're such a great writer and it's an epic book I get the sneak peeks on a weekly basis when I pop in and you're like working on a certain part and you're like, can I read this to you? And yeah, it's really fantastic. And the other little orb on my side that I'll share is, you know, so often in my journey of writing Animal Power, there was, you know, walking through those initiatory fires. That was probably the most initiatory process of my shamanic career. And so many times I would say to you like, You know, I knew this was the medicine book that was my duty to birth to the world. But so many times I was like, why, why can't I just be a cookbook? You know, this is my brownie recipe. And there's just like 200 different brownie, you know, options to, to bake in your kitchen, you know, and no whatever to cookbook people. But I just, it was because of the gravitas of this book and the timing of when it was being written and coming out and you know i'm sharing <laughs> shamanic foundations and teachings that have existed since the beginning of time on this planet i mean the the weight of what i was carrying and holding and the lines that i had to hold so exhaustively for so many years in order for animal power to actually come into fruition um, was so daunting and so tiring, yet completely so worth it. Because while I do feel there are more books and decks in me meant to come out this lifetime, at the same time, I truly feel if I were to not do anymore and if Animal Power was my book and deck gift uh, to living beings, I can rest easy. I feel so proud of how I wrote that book, the place from which it was written from, how it, you know, because there were times where I was like, if this is going to be the way it has to go based upon the other people's opinions and publishing perspectives, I was willing to walk away from it multiple times. I was like, I know what has to be said here. I know what has to be delivered in this book. And if you they're not willing to budge. I have to walk away. And that is a fire, fiery wall to hit up against. And so, um, yeah, I guess my point is I feel that the way you are doing it is the way in which at the end of it, you can just feel the ultimate fullness um, and and pride and and how you did it. You know, you can go the light route. You can go the ghostwriting route. But I think you feel differently at the end, potentially.
1: I'm intuiting that to be the case. yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a deeply, I don't know, transformative experience just for me to do it. and it's it's also very vulnerable uh, because the book is so personal. I mean, it's not personal in the sense of, like, it's my memoir, but the teachings in the book are derived from personal and, um, many, you know, tragic and traumatic experiences in many dark and very low places that I've been in my life. Um, one thing that has been a a saving grace, uh, for me, I mean, I don't know what I would have done without this is, um, I joined Neil Strauss's, uh, uh, writing mastermind group. And so there's like six or eight of us in there and we meet every Tuesday. Um, I've only missed one so far in many months because we were traveling, we were in Colorado. Um, But I mean, there's so many great budding writers in there and um, Neil is just a master at his craft. And um, I would say, I, I don't really read fiction and the nonfiction that I read are typically biographies or books on spirituality but in terms of contemporary writers, he's my favorite writer. So um, like his book, The Truth changed my life. Uh, it's about relationships and whatnot, uh, which we're about to talk about. Uh, but being in that group and just being under the you know, um, tutoring of someone who's yeah. a 10 times New York Times bestselling author. I mean, I feel like so fortunate to be in there. So I doubt Neil will ever hear this episode, but... Um, if there are any aspiring writers out there, I highly recommend um, that group. I think they do it once a year and there's a group and then, you know, they take you through a year of writing your book and a couple of people in the group, have already finished their book, you know, and they're in a different, you know, kind of stage because they're writing the book and then they're going to make a proposal and then go shop the book to agents and publishers. Whereas um, I was already in the agent conversation. So I'm kind of still in the minutia of, you know, putting together the first couple of chapters, but that's been um, incredible and um, very expansive, really great teachings for myself. It's, it's like they say, they, and it's so true to really learn something, the best way to do so is to teach it. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of reviewing all of these things that I've learned in my life. And when I put them on paper, I go, wow, holy shit. <laughs> you know, I didn't know I knew that.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: You know, and I'm sure you had the same, the same experience, but yeah, for me, I mean, it would have been so much easier to just write a book on uh, the top 10 health hacks that'll oh change my your Lord. life. Or, I mean, I could write much easier and faster books that are not vulnerable and intimate in that way. way. Fluffier. Yeah. But, um, you know, and God bless, like you said, people write great cookbooks. And
0: yeah. We have cookbooks. Books great. on
1: health and whatever. I mean, they're all useful. And, um, I've derived a lot of benefit from all sorts of different books right now. I'm listening to, uh, I don't have the name offhand, but, um, Jeff Tweedy, the singer Wilco, he just put out a book where he talks about like 50 meaningful songs and he's just mm. a great writer. He's so funny and Wise and insightful. And um, I get a lot of in- inspiration from that book. Although it's not a book that's probably going to change my whole worldview or help me, you know, inform yeah. how I heal my trauma and become a different person or something. But it's a meaningful book to me because I'm a huge fan of his music and the way he delivers his writing is beautiful and articulate and inspired. Um, so there's room for everyone. Yeah, but,
0: everything has a purpose.
1: Yeah. But the way I'm doing it, woo, not for the fan at heart. No. Um, next thing on my list, and then we can, we don't have to go any particular order, but anything on your list we can go into. But one of the highlights this year, Mm -hmm. I think just because we haven't done a lot of traveling because we were building this house and, you know, we moved here and all of that, um, was going to Costa Rica.
0: Mm, Yeah. Shout out to Tori.
1: Yeah. Our friend Tori was, um, gracious enough to fly us down there. She had bought a, a big property there, um, a kind of a defunct ranch that she's going to revive. And I've been to Costa Rica a couple times, but it was on retreat. So I didn't travel around and explore and we covered some serious ground. I mean,
0: oh my gosh. Talk about a powerful trip. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We had a uh, a medicine journey in the middle of the, tr- we were only there for like a week. Um, and so ab-
0: much happened. I feel like we were there for eight months.
1: It was wild. But I think What became clear to me in going there, and I wanna hear what your perspective was, was um, I know many people in our community and people that are kind of into the things we're into are moving there or live there part-time or spend a lot of time there. There's a lot of uh, plant medicine retreats and and things of that nature there and yoga retreats and whatnot. But in going there, one thing that was really uh, paramount in my experience was it felt much different to be outside of the borders of the United States. There was an energetic shift there that felt liberating and much more free and different. And, um, you know, I love this country and the people that inhabit it, but there is, um, a sort of oppressive matrix, um, Superimposed on this particular country, that is, it's a a heaviness, especially in the past couple of years. And I just felt like, ah, I just felt like I could breathe there. There was a lightness.
0: um, And if you're not energy sensitive, you might not even feel that oppressive matrix grid that you're referring to. Or, you know, um, if you have only traveled to certain types of places that replicate that same said matrix grid, you know, yeah. So, I think um, it was important for us to feel the shift.
1: Yes. And so what became immediately clear... So
0: we're moving there now. (laughs) Kind of joking, not joking.
1: What became clear to me was we really need to spend more time here uh, and find a way to live there at least some of the time. Mm -hmm. I just love the people in that country and even the expats that have moved there. They're very like-minded for the most part. Um, the nature there is so abundant and beautiful. What
0: was the man's name, Tom?
1: I don't remember Tom's last name offhand, but... Um,
0: but yeah, that was a great way for us to start. What was the trip. name of his... Uh, he, New Chapter N- Vitamins.
1: He had a company called New Chapter. He sold that and bought a farm in Costa Rica. What's the name of the resort? Finca... N-
0: Luna Nueva.
1: Is it Luna Nueva? or Finca Luna Nueva.
0: Isn't that
1: what I said? I No, because we went to two places and I always get the two names confused. There was Finca. the other one by the volcano. If-
0: Inca Luna Nueva.
1: Okay, we'll figure it out and we'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, <laughs> he, he was he was a beautiful man, very gracious. And um, Yeah,
0: just, that eco lodge is just stunning. And we learned so much. The two are the little bees, the little tiny special bees of the forest or whatever, angels of the forest, but they call them in Costa Rica, the stingless bees.
1: I oh. ate termites out of a termite mound which were quite tasty. It'd be hard to fill up on them because they're exceedingly small. But um, yeah, we, we we toured like these uh, regenerative farms and eco resorts and things of that nature. So it, I don't know. I think the thing, and that school, remember they had like a integrative sort of nature school that was really cool that someone had built for the local kids um, in this one village. And uh, I think too, of just being outside of the grid, but I also realized... I really need to be in immersed in nature more. I mean, there's almost this part of me that's like, I could just give up everything I do for work now and buy a farm there and just grow food and just live off the land.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> you know? I feel very clear that I could.
1: Yeah. Do that. So, um, yeah, I don't know why that out of all the things that have happened this year, that particular trip stands out to me as um, something meaningful and I think a, a point of pivot where I realized, hmm, I, I need to move us and our, our little family kind of in that direction somehow. So More we'll naked
0: time with monkeys and macaws and toucans and yes. slothies, little baby slothies slothing around. Yeah. yeah, I just want to give a shout out um, and thanks to the lands and spirit of Costa Rica. You know, there's definitely places on the planet that I would consider to be more vortex, more medicinal than others. Um, I always think of Bali when I speak in this way. Mama Bali has held me just in magnitudes of generosity and love and lavishness beyond what I knew was possible. Um but, you know, yeah, my experience in Costa Rica and the spirit of, of that, that land, that region of the planet um, was just uh, such a magnificent awakener. Uh, the first night that we were there, you know, the land spoke to me just like it did when we were here in Austin the first night exploring where we should move. And the very first uh, evening that we we're here, and I'd never been to Austin Um, in a meditation, the land spoke to me and it was a full yes. And I knew that of of our short list of Portugal, Mexico, Sedona, Austin, like where we're supposed to go. Then I knew I got our answer. And then the same thing happened unexpectedly. The first night in Costa Rica, staying at Tom's home and, you know, he was so gracious. Talk about generosity. Um, You know, we learned when when he was taking us on a tour of this beautiful, his own private home on that, on the land of the lodge. Um, I could just feel the specialness we both could. And remember the toad, the giant Bufo toad friend who appeared. And um, as he was showing us around and when he brought us into his and he and his wife's personal bedroom and was like, you know, this will be the room that you and Luke stay in. um, I just, I got gobsmacked by the energy in the room and the energy of the jungle through the screen in um, windows and doors. And I looked at Tom and I said, I can feel how special this room is. And he said, well, it's funny you say that because you two are the very first people other than my wife and I to ever sleep in this bed. And that night... I was also told that you and I are supposed to have a place there and spend more time there. So thank you yeah, to the spirit was, of the lands.
1: That was very special. Yeah. Yeah. The cool thing about that where he is, he's up by Fortuna uh, near the the volcano and all the hot springs and stuff. So it's higher altitude. It's much cooler up there than down in some of the coastal regions. And the neat thing about that house was there's no heat or air conditioning. There's no climate mm. control and there's no windows. Yeah. There's literally no windows. It's all screens, which is kind of trippy. if You're, you're in just, it. If you're used to being in a box like most of us have lived in our entire lives, um, but you're very much immersed in... The nature there. It's it, like, you're
0: required to get attuned with the sounds of the insects and animals and the rustling of the jungle palms. Like it's get attuned with nature or you're out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was it was really cool. I think that was probably the highlight for me too, even though we did a lot of interesting things there. Um, so that that was the big one for me this year. What what else do you have on your list?
0: Oh my gosh, I have so many things. Um, I didn't really do our, our list building was built from different places. I just more prayed and surrendered and opened the gateways to, um, most benevolent, high divine God, goddess and earth mother in my own wisdom inside of me and said, what do you want us to talk about? So that's how my list is built. Um, so let me just see if anything falls more under, uh, you know, like, I mean, all of these things happened in this year, I I guess I'll just start with the first thing that I wrote down, which um, happens to me fr- quite frequently, but uh, it happened this morning upon me awakening and starting to open my eyes when I woke up this morning, literally the first thought that I experienced and that just enveloped me is, quote, I have the best life ever
1: great way to start a day.
0: Yeah, I just don't know that it gets any greater, bigger, better, more beautiful than that, you know, to have arrived to a place in life where that is my genuine feeling. And that, yeah, when I, when my eyes aren't even fully open, that is what my soul and God is reminding me of. I mean, that's a massive miracle to get to that place.
1: You're such an inspiration. If I'm totally honest, I know like you're more of a morning person. I'm more of a night person. I probably have that attitude more like at 10 at night um, than I do at seven in the morning. But often it's gotten much better over the years, but often when I wake up, there's a sense of like, oh shit. Yeah. And I don't like look at calendars until the day of, and I'm, I'm always kind of like, Oh, what's on my, what am I doing today? I have no idea usually until I go to my computer after I meditate and make sure my head's right. And then I look at the day, but I I usually have thoughts that are more like, Oh shit, what, what's required of me today and how scary is it <laughs> or not? You know? So that's that's inspired. You're a little
0: more grumbly and growly in the morning, whereas when I'm tired at night, that's when I'm like, I need breath, I need space, like no top of head kisses. <laughs> like, yeah, our sensitivities are completely polar opposite.
1: We have we have rules uh, in the in the <laughs> evening, in the morning.
0: Yeah, I can't really talk to you until you've moved around and taken enough supplements, and then I cannot allow for any for some reason crown chakra like top of head kisses. Once I'm starting to get tired at night, I cannot have those. <laughs> <laughs> it's like awful.
1: Well, this, um, yeah, I mean, this is great because we're learning all of these things about one another and how to have the most harmonious relationship possible and one that's the most fruitful and joyful and loving and all of those things. And um, these are all great tools that we're applying to our higher power couple um, venture, which will be, I guess we could talk about that in a little bit when we look into um, 2024, but I mean, how many relationships have you been in where just fundamental preferences, like we're describing of who's got what vibe in the morning or night, for example, um, lead to incompatibility not because you're not compatible, but just because you don't have the awareness and you don't tune into one another and have that unconditional love and acceptance that yeah, everyone's true. wired differently. Like I could get my feelings hurt or get annoyed if if I'm trying to snuggle up and kiss you on the head at night and you push me away, like I could take that personally. and be offended or something, right? Or in the morning. Side
0: note, I don't push him away, but I do say, no, you know the rule. No top of head kisses.
1: Or... Conversely, we could wake up in the morning and I don't feel like talking or hearing loud noises or like getting into any meaningful discussions until I've done my morning routine on the rebounder and the ice bath and all the crazy shit. yeah we that could, I could
0: easily into. have viewed that as like oh we're incompatible and i could I could have been like, I want someone who's also a morning person because as soon as I wake up i'm I'm communing so much with the ethers and other realms and my benevolent guides and, and so much going on for me while i'm sleeping that I wake up inspired, I wake up ready to go, I wake up ready to like tell you the shamanic healing that took place at 4.15 and, you know, and I know that I have to temper that and like I know what you look like and feel like when you're ready to be approached, and most of the time I'm successful at that. Sometimes there's something where I'm just chomping at the bit. Maybe it's a house report, or you know, something uh, going on where I maybe jump the gun a little bit, and I can always tell when I do. But yeah, I think we give each other a lot of grace, and have found that harmony as opposed to being like, oh, what a bummer! I want someone who's ready to dive in in the morning with me. Like it doesn't have to be a deal breaker.
1: Yeah, I I think that. Um... I go, like I'm sure many of us do um, to such bizarre places in my sleep that when I wake up, I think it takes me a while to get back into my body and remember that I'm a person. Like, what was it? The night before last, right before I woke up at seven or something in the morning, I, I was having this dream where I was hanging out with John Lennon and kind of helping him do a press conference or something. And I mean, it's so real. Then he turns into, we go in this room and then he's Tom Knowles, the Vedic meditation teacher, Jeff Kober's teacher. And we're talking about his guru and he's given me all these spiritual insights and downloads <laughs> and I'm in that. And then, you know, the sun comes up and I have the, the curtain open and wake up. And it's like, I'm still in that for the first 30 minutes after I wake up and trying to convince myself that that's not the real world. and And I'm still not totally convinced that, this is the real world and that dreams are a made up world. Um, dreams might be the real world and this could be the made up ones. So,
0: totally.
1: you know, it takes me a while, but yeah. Um, knowing that about one another has been, uh, I think, a great resource for us and to be able to just meet each other where we are and, um, you know, understand that our differences are our strength and not something that you have to fight against or to try to, you know, mold yourself into being like, your yeah. significant other, you you are kind of who you are. There's, there's nature and nurture. And um, I think you can only nurture yourself to be different to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to be a morning person for 53 years. And if it hasn't happened by now, it's probably not likely to. And even if I wake up at the crack of dawn at 6.30 or whatever, I'm still not really ready to interface with the world until 10 or 11.
0: It takes you, no, I mean... A little bit longer than that most times. 10. I'm not my ideal podcast start time. You know, if I'm doing ceremony circle, I'm like, let's, let's get the guest here at 930. We're, we're jamming by 10. You are still like, I mean, this starting, we're started to record today at noon. And I think that was like, you had to really stay on your regimen to get ready by now.
1: (laughs) I did. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um got my call sheet to speak at Dr. John Lawrence's event um, down in Florida with Ben Greenfield and all the, the, the health net crew. And uh, they sent my call sheet and it was like, I need you in hair and makeup. It's for like a a documentary on biohacking. And they sent me my call sheet and it was like 7 a.m. hair and makeup, start your interview at eight or
0: something. I mean, yeah, they're probably packing so much into those couple days.
1: Well, I, I, expressed my discontent and they bumped me to 930 or something, which is doable. But yeah, to your average person, that's like normal.
0: Uh, The other thing that flows well and um, into this other thing um, that felt important to bring up is I wanted to also make clear that with the quote, I have the best life ever, that I have arrived to that very genuine embodied truth and feeling even amidst navigating the deepest waters and initiations this year as well. You know, so it's like, I don't want it to get twisted and I don't want people to get confused that like, um, I mean, I guess people that know me and listen to my show and know us well enough know our backgrounds and know the stuff that we have um, painstakingly uh, evolved from. But I want to make that clear because... Waking up knowing that one has the best life ever does not at all have to equate to like every day is easy or every day is, um, you know, only filled with laughter. I mean, those things are so great. They're vital. um, And I'm calling more of that in. But I think it's really beautiful for me to know that I genuinely feel that way about my life, even when I'm in the deepest initiations ever, currently. You know, like I'm in the, some of the heaviest, deepest waters one can navigate in a, in a life experience. Like I'm in, I'm in those waters right now and I'm still waking up genuinely feeling I have the best life ever. And I think that's a testament to a lot. Um, it's a testament to us coming together and our sacred union. It's a testament to the life that we are co-creating. It's a testament to how I've chosen to face the totality of life, face the totality of myself, live in devotion with the divine. I mean, so many things, but they're they're happening at once. And I think that you and I have navigated um, one of the funny reflections, cool reflections I've had in our time since we pivoted from friends to where we are. is just how much we have like experienced together in such a short amount of time. I mean, <clears throat> it's not lost on me the irony that literally no exaggeration, no making it up, no flubbing the weekend that Jelly Bean, my cat and I, left New York City, flew across the country to move in with you. in LA was the same weekend that the lockdown, the whole thing erupted that very weekend. And from that point of us moving in together and becoming a family, we have just had the best time. I mean, even Katie Hess, founder of Lotus Way, she was texting me. We're very dear friends. And she was texting me last night, just like, hey, thinking of you, what's the latest? And I said, you know, gave her a little update and she said something to the effect of um, you and Luke just always have so much fun together. And I, I love that about your relationship. And it's true. Like we've had so much fun together and, you know, we moved in at the start of lockdown. We've You've witnessed the deepest career initiations of me with my book and deck. I've witnessed you selling off businesses in very stressful situations We've, you know, trying new locations, moving across the country, temporary living in an apartment while we're renovating this home for a year and a half, and all of those initiations, major parent health confrontations we've both navigated, you know, clearings of entities trying to, you know, get themselves uh, in into our situation. Your tinnitus our fertility journey of two full years, the dissolving, um, what other people call miscarriage, I call it a dissolving, keeping our temple and our home clear. Um, I've had the hardest conversations of my life this year that you've been witness to us going to tantric retreats and like delving into waters to explore how to strengthen our union. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that I'm forgetting. So tell me a couple things of, like, like the, the big stuff that we've navigated. But we've gone through a lot of heavy-hitting things, and yet we have a lot of fun, and we're living the best, our best life ever.
1: For me, and we have different language to describe, I think, some of the same things in terms of our worldview, but one way to say it would be being in the world but not of the world— right wearing the world like a loose garment and this is my this is my work every day to stay grounded in the knowing that a good or bad or positive or negative experience with us collectively or individually is solely based on my perspective <laughs> and remembering that my perspective can only be as accurate as I allow it to be at this particular moment in time, right? Because we can only see what's happening. Um, Take the miscarriage, for example, in that moment, it's difficult and heartbreaking and, um, you know, disappointing and all the things that it is but because we can only see it from that moment, we don't know what the bigger picture is, right? If we're years down the road and we don't have kids and we have the best life ever and we're like, oh, cool, we weren't supposed to have kids or we are able to do so um, and we have the best kid ever or we adopt or who, who knows what, right. right? It's like-
0: We're fully trusting of the journey. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I think it's that underpinning of surrender in my life. And I know you, you know, live by the principle of surrender and in surrender is access to the non-dual of not viewing things as good or bad, positive or negative. And um, and that's difficult when you're in a human body and you have emotions and, you know, feelings and thoughts and opinions and beliefs and patterns and all the things that we're programmed by. Um, I don't think it's something, unless you're, really an enlightened master that that you fully grasp all of the time but it is a foundation it's like the um it's the goal right it's the it's the benchmark it's where i'm always doing my best to live from and by is just that really broad open mindedness without preconceived judgments about the way things should or shouldn't be and really just letting go and trusting god trusting the source of all creation that's making all of this possible and flowing the blood through my veins, that knowing that um, there's a, an intelligent, benevolent, loving being that is running all of this and that my participation in it um, is voluntary. <laughs> you know, And um, that whether I have a shitty day or a good day is really 99% or so depending on my perspective of it and and that's that's the thing i think more than anything that helps me get through difficulties and disappointments is just remembering that my opinion of any given situation is what creates it as a reality and and that could be misconstrued as spiritual bypassing like oh it's all good everything's all good all the time no things are difficult and i have mood fluctuations and things that i perceive to be bad do happen um, (laughs) especially in the past few years speaking you know just in terms of world events but i also do my best to retain the humility to know that i can't see the future so i don't know what's on the other side of this difficulty and if i look back on Any challenges that I've faced in my life that I would have at the time absolutely deemed to be negative, if not horrific, have ultimately been gifts because of the lessons that I've learned from them, right? And, um, you know, taking the dissolving, as you call it, between us. I mean, anyone would look at that and go, oh, that's so sad, that's terrible. And it was challenging. But from another perspective, it also drew us even closer together in terms of our love for one another and our intimacy it allowed me to see things about you that were inspiring and educational just in terms of the the uh, fortitude and wisdom and maturity with which you handled that as the woman who was having the physical experience of that so if anything, I view that as ultimately a positive experience.
0: Yeah, there were so many gifts.
1: You know, because of the transmutation of the experience that's been possible in hindsight and having the tools to take it and go, oh, okay, I I see that my mind wants to view this from a particular perspective with a particular lens that would view it as something negative, but knowing that there's a higher intelligence available that can view it from a much more broad perspective.
0: Yeah, and and we're both completely willing to, um, access and allow whatever emotion is wanting to present. So I think, yeah, that's one of the key things as I'm listening, um, that I'm reflecting on is there's no like resisting or cutting off from or suppressing of any thread or fiber of it all. I think, um, yeah, it's my slash our willingness to healthily be with the fullness of, of it all that allows the thriving with it all versus what we also know from our pre-awakening, pre-surrendered years, the suffering of it all. (laughs) We've, I, I mean, I was having flashbacks for some reason yesterday, I think of like, yeah, just previous relationships and not even just the, the one that provided my awakening, you know, through the addiction portal and, um, denial, codependency, narcissism portal. Um, it was like another relationship and just, I, had, I got flashed to memories I didn't even recall having until yesterday of just the pain of, of being with that person and in that relationship and um, the pain I was, I was, you know, imposing on myself through ha- what I was allowing and, you know, all the things. And um, I don't know, yeah, I was just thinking about how much pain and suffering I regularly experienced. Um, oh God, it just, I feel it. It hurts me to even uh, flash back to those times. And now I'm able to be with everything in such a healthy, thriving, miraculous way.
1: Well, that's the counterintuitive nature of difficult or painful emotions is that that animal instinct of ours wants to avoid it at all costs, thinking that by avoiding Mm -hmm. the pain that the pain is going to lessen. But if emotions aren't fully felt and processed, intellectually somatically through the body and all the ways that they don't go away <laughs> you'm know saying to heal it you have to feel it there's just no way around that you know and um, I think that's one of the greatest gifts one of the greatest principles you know is really learning to to understand that and and also after one goes through, enough painful experiences like the ones you described and we have our own, you know, similar experiences in our past, um, especially around relationships, for example, I mean, a different dynamics, but still, you know, those things that make you (laughs) want to kill yourself or whatever, you know, it can get to a really dark place, but it's like having the courage to have faced so many of those really uncomfortable emotions and micro and macro traumas, and then seeing after some time, you know, having a track record of like, oh God, I really don't want to look at this. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to face this about myself. Um, but in so doing, to be able to move past it to where the hooks of those memories don't have a charge anymore. You know, I think that's a good barometer of, hmm, am I really past this? Have I healed it? For me, it's like when I talk about an event in my life that was painful or traumatic, I can feel how much charge or resistance still exists in my body. And the things that I've been willing to feel the most, even if they were the most painful and most traumatic, have the least amount of charge from just owning it rather than running from it and that's someone who spent you know (laughs) a few decades running quickly from any sort of a feeling you know um feeling it is healing it i mean that's the thing so even in our practice of a relationship i think that's one of the most bonding and valuable tools we have is allowing each other space to not only feel, but also to express appropriately whatever we're going through with one another. I mean, we have such little conflict in our relationship. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're both pretty adept at understanding that emotions that either of us are going through, even if they're related to the other person, aren't really about the other person. They're emotions that we're feeling within ourselves that are relevant to something the other person might have said or done, but the other person isn't causing the other one to feel a certain way. Or like, if I'm annoyed with you or you're annoyed with me, or there's something we need to talk about, it's, it's that we're each taking responsibility for our own inner experience. Yeah. Right. And if, if, if you know that if I'm upset, it's really not about you. It's my own upset that I need to work out. And part of my working out my upset is communicating what's going on inside. But you've you.
0: never been upset with me.
1: Well, I'm trying to be diplomatic. Um, I actually really only, <laughs> I mean,
0: I'm kind of not joking. I, I mean,
1: you're pretty easy to get along with. Um, there have been a couple times when I've been like annoyed with you, but no, I've never been actually like angry with you. Yeah. Just yeah, interesting. Anyway, um, we'll get into relationship stuff, but you reminded me Uh, of something that happened this year too in May that wasn't even on my list of like big events. I think it was just in the works for so long, but that was um, exiting my business that I founded in 2008 and ran for, uh, I don't know how many years, many years, um, I guess until we moved here and sort of put it on ice um, after I bought my former business partner out. And uh, that was School of Style, which is a fashion school that I founded way back when, when I worked as a celebrity fashion stylist in uh, LA. 2008, I had already had a career for uh, many years and so many people wanted to get into that industry and there was really no inroads other than traditional fashion schools. And um, that's not how I did it. I never got anything because of any school. So I just started my own school and started holding these little classes and eventually it became very successful and we're traveling all around the country, holding live classes. And then around 2018, I transitioned it into a 100% online business. Uh, but then, by then I had started my podcast in 2016 and moved into the health and wellness space and, um, just followed my, my true passion, which is what I'm doing now and all the ways that I do it. And, um, knew that even though that business could make a lot of money very easily and, and also serve its, um, students well, which I had done for a long time. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't muster up any energy to relaunch that business and activate it again. And so I started shopping around for people that might want to buy it. Um, people that were passionate and wanted to be able to take it over and, um, Take the ball and run with it so to speak and so after courting a buyer for a couple of years and it going very slowly as you know it was just like is this ever gonna happen And yeah every few months you'd be like all right i should just roll up my sleeves and like you know relaunch this business um because it's a great business and it it helps a lot of people and it's very very lucrative um and I just, I just couldn't do it. And I also didn't want to let it die because it's something I put my heart and soul into for so many years. that just to like shut it down because I didn't know what to do with it just was, seemed so depressing. Um, and there's still just such a huge market for people that, that want to get into the fashion industry and have a creative career as a freelance artist and whatnot. Um, but eventually everyone came to the table and, uh, was able to sell that business and get out of it. Two
0: molasses filled years later.
1: Yeah. And, uh, it seems like they're, uh, they've not yet, um, relaunched it, but I think they're close to doing so probably in the new year. So it'll be really, I'm
0: sure it will thrive.
1: Oh, I mean, it's, it's an incredible platform. I mean, I created something amazing and the people that bought it, uh, definitely have the capacity to really make something probably much bigger than I ever Yeah, they can have.
0: really pop it off.
1: Yeah, and so um it's a really fulfilling experience for me because I built something, I helped thousands of students have careers. Many of them are huge successful stylists now and um it will be really fun to like log on and look at the new website and look at their social media and see that legacy carry on without yeah. me. Um, so that was, that was a huge win and something for which I'm really grateful. And it was, uh, I was no small feat getting, getting that deal done, oh, but I did. And, um, you know, it felt really good to put all those years in and not just kind of like have to let that candle burn out you know it's still there's a little ember going <laughs> and mm-hmm. barely kept it going and someone you know yeah. t- took the flame and is now recharging yeah. it which is really um really exciting <laughs> that's I'm, the I'm right so vision
0: a little tiny ember
1: yeah so barely that really glowing thank you for reminding me of that you know sometimes life moves so quickly and I, i'm just always on to the next thing that I,
0: i'm sure there's a lot i forgot
1: i kind of forget you know sometimes um but uh, that one is something i need to remain grateful for because it it could have you know i could have petered out and nothing would have happened and it would have just sort of died on the vine and that would have been just sad and disappointing after all the effort and energy that i put into it i think too some people you know i got a comment a couple of days ago i posted the uh, EBO2 treatments that I'm doing at Alive and Well, which I actually have one of those today, which to me is the most powerful kind of medical health intervention. And it's, you know, it's expensive. It's like 1500 bucks pop and it's best to do like three in a row. So someone on social media asked me that. And so I put how much it costs on there and they're like, well, that's fine for the rich people. What about the rest of us To, to which I always answer the, Most powerful health innovations are totally free, but they require more discipline than most people have, which is breath work, prayer, human connection, touch, sun gazing.
0: Connecting um, with earth mother. Yeah,
1: meditation. And you sure that stuff every day for years. I mean, aligning with nature and with other human beings in a loving capacity is by far the best thing you can do for your health. And I will always stick by that because I believe it to be true. But the other thing that occurred to me is that some people think that, um, and you know, I wouldn't consider us to be rich by any stretch, but I can go get a treatment like that done without it hurting, uh, the, the bank account too much. Um, but as people don't see like the years and years of working one's ass off, it took to be in that position
0: Absolutely.
1: People just think like, oh, you're you're just lucky, privileged. you're privileged, you're fortunate. I'm like, dude.
0: Do you I, know anything about our backstories?
1: <laughs> I mean, I only made it through the seventh grade. I have no education, um, no real training of any kind. I'm self-taught in everything I do. Um, and with that business, for example, I mean, I worked my ass off. For years and years, I mean, I can't tell you (laughs) the time I put into that. And then with the podcast and the work I do now, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fun. And I enjoy it. What I sit and have conversations with a camera and a microphone. It's also
0: a lot of work.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, the hours that I put in. So I just want to say to people that look, you know, to anyone that they see on social media or people that are, um, you know, producing media or doing work similar to me, um, that it it doesn't just happen like you're not just lucky and the world just throws resources your way um it's a lot of work you know and that school was a lot of work selling that business was a lot of work um even after it was sold there's you know you have consulting that you do for a period of time typically um, that was also a lot of work and still is even on some days You know, putting together a reliable team and managing that team and paying that team well and all of that. So, um,
0: yeah, neither of us are strangers to incredibly hard work.
1: Yeah, Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I wish I was a trust fund baby or something. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been easier, but also I think there's a certain element of character building when you have to create your life yourself and.
0: Yeah. I like that we're down to earth and normal people. Yeah. I was reflecting on a bit of what you're sharing when, um, you had gotten your sun time, you had gotten your vitamin Ds.
1: Vitamin Ds,
0: nuts. And, uh, then you did your jumping on the little mini trampoline and then you used your ice bath time in our pool, which is very cold at the moment. Um, but yeah, as you were swimming around in the pool and I was sitting there eating some yogurt with jelly and cookie staring up at me and yeah, just again, having a reflection of the gratitude for my life, but specifically with you, I don't know why, but just seeing you kind of breaststroking through like swimming through the pool, I, what struck me the most is how far you've come. I don't know why I got hit by that in that moment, but I just felt such happiness for you um, that you're able to swim in your pool and I don't know, just have the experiences that you have currently because I know it was not always the case,
1: yeah, but a lot of a lot of dreams come true, both inward and outward, but they didn't just, um, appear out of thin air. I mean, I was in a position to buy a house until I was 50 years old. (laughs) I never have a down payment for a house like that was not happening, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm grateful, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that I, I get those comments sometimes from people. And I think it's sometimes it's, um, you know, envy people have a lot of people that feel lack have a character defect of envy. And so they get pissed off at other people that are having a good life or being successful by whatever, whatever metric. Um,
0: Going into that's not fair that. victim mentality sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just know anyone that's made anything of themselves in my personal life, um, they've worked really hard and maybe some people are more fortunate than others and people have different degrees of support from their family. And some of us experienced traumas that are more extreme than others. But, um, yeah, considering the odds of me ever making something of myself with the life that I had in my past with addiction and the abuse that I endured as a kid and all of those things, um, I'm, I'm very fortunate and I'll tell you what, honestly, even if I had just gotten sober and that's all I ever did in my life, I won the game. Because where I was headed was no exaggeration and not being sensational. I was going to prison or I was going to die on the streets, period, end of story. That's where people like me end up. So, But for the grace of God, that gift was bestowed upon me. And it, it truly is a miracle. And anything that comes after that, having you in my life, our home, our dog, the career that I enjoy. The cat. I always forget Shelly. Well, he's so low-key. He's never around.
0: Little wizards around um, somewhere.
1: But yeah, it's um, everything has been, um, been well-earned. And so that's also to say that no matter how far somebody goes down um, the road of failure and pain, that there is always hope for everyone. There is a way out. And if somebody is struggling financially, I, I honestly think, aside from just work ethic, because you have to put energy into the world. Even if we were in hunter-gatherer times, you don't just sit under a tree and get fed mangoes. I mean, you got to go out and hunt and gather. You have to put energy into building things. So um, I believe that there's a reciprocity in the universe and that we're rewarded with the energy we need for our life by the energy we put into it. So that being said, what keeps people, I think, stuck more than anything is just viewing successful people as a them versus an us. And that's a limitation that I'm always working on within myself of looking at someone who has a successful career or is, you know, very financially secure. Being a poor kid when I grew up, it's like, I always looked at rich people as assholes and, um, you know, I was jealous and envious of them. And, um, I think that kept me poor for a long time is just seeing myself as a poor person. Um, And that scarcity mindset that there's not enough to go around for everyone in the world and being resentful at the people that have their share and considering them as someone who's taken a share that should be mine without me actually doing any work for it. (laughs) So that's my rant on that. Um, Where are you, my love, with, uh, you know, our efforts to make a baby?
0: Hmm. Uh, Yeah, I feel, feel... It, uh, hmm. I feel as if we are right with God, right where we should be with it. Um. Had someone asked me, you know, two, five, 10 years ago, what I thought my pregnancy or child rearing journey would look like, I don't know that I would have come up with what it has been, but I feel I'm completely trust-filled and I feel right with God and that we are exactly where God intends for us to be with it. Um, I personally appreciate that the first year, year and a half, year and a half of it, was, um, I will only speak for myself, but was really me, um, going on my intuition and going inward. And, um, even though up until you and I got pregnant, I had never been pregnant before then to my knowledge. So it was my first pregnancy, first dissolving, first all those things. I still am so grateful that I chose to navigate the first year and a half from my own inner wisdom and resources, even though I had not been a parent before this lifetime. Um, I don't know that I can explain it other than that's just when I reflect back, I'm really glad that's what I chose and that you were willing to to have the the journey function that way and then it felt very clear to me um you know i guess about 6 months ago year and a half into our journey there felt just like a very clear threshold crossing or shift in the energetics of it where i just felt like we both arrived to a knowingness of like okay it's time to like not switch gears but like start to go and explore a different avenue i just felt like we knew when it was time for that. Um, And so, yeah, uh, we started talking to Dr. Cleopatra, our dear friend. Uh, Shout out to her. Um, She has her own fertility institute and um, it's just more than anything, a friend, um, supportive friend. And it felt more right. Like up until six months ago, I actually, and I said this to her, she knows this is not new information that I'm divulging um secrets on air but i i didn't want to talk to her before then you know yes i know she's a renowned fertility specialist especially working with women in their 40s but i wasn't ready and willing to hear from her until i was and then we were and then we had a zoom with her and um oh i hear jelly's got a wheezy going on down there both all the jelly cookie and I all have Texas allergies I will just say that so anyways um in summation um I am excited for what's to come you know I there's definitely still uncharted territory for us to explore and and venture into but it feels right it feels it's time and um You know, yeah, I don't know what you want to say about it.
1: I'm um, inspired by your surrendered, trusting attitude about it.
0: Especially with our ages.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, it's, it's It's a strange experience for me because I think just due to my upbringing and childhood wounding and just general dysfunctions in my life um i was always terrified of having kids and never wanted kids i mean that was like on first dates right out the gate i'm never having kids so if that's what you're looking for it's been nice meeting you you know kind of thing um and i'm you know i'm not proud of that attitude it's just like i said i well it's a long long story as to why i held that attitude but you know like fear of losing my freedom and all this kind of sort of, um, to me, for me, immature perspective and having grown and done a lot of healing in the past few years and being with you and loving you in the way that I do, that has now completely shifted into a 180 where I really, really want to have a kid with you. Um, and so now I'm have very little concerns or fears about having a kid. My fears are more about not having one. Um, and you know, sometimes I wrestle with, you know, the idea that like I missed my chance or, you know, there were opportunities. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful that I didn't have kids with, you know, partners where it, Probably wouldn't have been advantageous to either of us or said kid and and whatnot because of um, you know my levels of maturity and just capacity to hold a healthy intimate relationship and whatnot. But um, it is difficult for me at times. There's a, a FOMO, a FOMO esque uh, sense to the way I feel because you know, we're both getting older, but also everyone's popping kids out left and freaking right. So just like in my face all the time, everyone, everyone we know is pregnant, has a kid on the way or just had one. I mean, my little brother has a beautiful little boy that I'm just obsessed with. And, um, shout out to Bjorn, like what a little cutie I'm, I'm like in love with that kid. It's my first nephew, you know, and, um, I've actually, it's interesting. And this is part of why my yearning I think has increased is, and, and you already know this, but when I just saw pictures of that kid before I met him and then even more so when I met him, like it's a kind of love I've never had for a kid before, I guess, cause it's my relative and I love my brother Cody so much and his, his amazing wife, Emily. But when they send me pictures of that kid, sometimes I just cry. It's like I, I don't what is this? It's just a weird feeling, and so, you know, all the fathers I know have expressed that they're like, "Oh, dude, you have no idea of the kind of love that you experience when when you have a kid," and just having a nephew is giving me a taste of that, and it's powerful, and it's it's a beautiful, um, a beautiful feeling. So knowing that that's kind of ah, it's just right there, you know, it's such a tangible feeling with little Bjorn, um, I can only imagine what that would be like with our kid. And so it's something that I just have a a deep desire for. So well,
0: I'm glad that you spoke to that. I mean, I, I definitely have those things surface for me for sure. And sometimes the surfacing moves beyond a surfacing and goes into a big wave that I have to like kind of manage. So that wave doesn't take me down and drown me. Um, you know, because I've always, as you know, and you've been witness to now, um, I've always had a very natural, easy connection with kids. I love hanging out with kids. And to be totally honest, at a gathering, you might find me in the kids' room more than you find me having adult conversations. I just, I like hanging out with them. It's easy for me to have conversations with them. Um, some of our closest friends here who have many kids. Like I just, I, I love them. And um, yeah, those relationships are so meaningful to me. And so, yeah, for sure. There will be sometimes a thought will come up. um, What exactly is it? I'm trying to find it and access it one second. It might be something like, um, yeah, that it would be really fucked up if I, if I'm not, able to be a mom this lifetime like for so many reasons like I mean kind of joking about these giant giant milky breasts I mean I've got these like double triple d I don't even know they're just huge I got these huge milkers like mommy milkers <laughs> and they're like I just I sometimes I look at them and I'm just like I mean yes i'm grateful that i have them and they're i think they're beautiful breasts and i knew you appreciate them but just beyond the beauty of them like the functionality i just look at them and i think these giant knockers are made <laughs> for milk and like i just <laughs> i can't imagine that i'm not able to have our child latch and receive milk from these big boobies um so there's that you know but then i just I just know I'm a great mom. I have, I, I I have maternal instinct. Like when I, when a friend hands me off their baby so they can go facilitate a little medicine journey for someone and, you know, on the land. And I'm, I can tell that baby, even though that baby's not old enough to speak, I know when that baby needs me to take them into the, to where the mom is to, to be fed. Like, And the mom, you know, that this kind of thing has been acknowledged to me over and over. They're like, wow, like had you waited five more minutes would have been a total meltdown. Like I just, I have that attunement with my mom instincts and with babies and kids. And so, um, yeah, sometimes I definitely have that thought that will enter, but I don't ride it out because that would be detrimental. And there's just no point in like letting it freaking take me under. But I will definitely have those thoughts of like, wow, I just can't imagine what a bummer, how sad that would be if you and I are able to make, to create and birth and bring into this world a beautiful child, you know, knowing who you are and the work you've put in and the devotion, knowing who I am, the work I put in and the devotion. I can only imagine the type of beautiful being that we would create and incarnate together so it does feel, the thought of that not happening does feel like a travesty. But what I choose to manage and to stay more attuned to than those thoughts is the trust, complete trust. I have complete trust. I have full trust in this happening.
1: I think because you have that trust, uh, that, that's kind of the saving grace for my fears around, um, it not happening, you know, I just think, well, if, if you're okay with it and you're someone who really wants to be a mom and you've wanted that for a long time, where this is kind of a new desire of mine, um, over the past couple of years. So I just lean into that and just do what you do. But I also feel like we're, we're on track, you know, we're exploring some different options now. And, um, you know, I, I think that we're, we're aligned in terms of, okay, just the trusting and just allow nature to take its course kind of thing. And well, I feel like we leaned into that and did that as long as was practical. And now we're kind of like, huh, let's maybe get a bit more creative. So, um, so we'll see. Uh, I love how, uh, real you are, by the way. You're so funny. Sometimes when we do podcasts together, I catch myself saying things and I think, gosh, should I have said that? And then you say things, gosh, should she have said that? I think that probably makes for a good conversation. Um, Before we get into the rest of this and wrap it up, um, I I meant to mention it earlier, but something uh, in 2024 that I'm really excited about is our Higher Power Couple retreat. Yeah,
0: bring it on, finally.
1: Yeah, Allison's really been pushing for this. and They
0: had the cattle prod out, putting it into your cute little little but cheese. Yeah, so
1: we're we're going to uh, we've been I mean we kind of have it all laid out, but our vision has been to create a very high-end luxury nature-based immersive experience for couples around conscious spiritual relationships and how to deepen intimacy and uh, better communicate and all of the things that we've learned individually prior to coming together and the things that we've learned together. So uh, if you want to get on the wait list for that, anyone listening, again, it's a couples retreat, you can go to lukestory.com slash higher power couple. And we don't have the date totally locked in, but it's looking like the end of May, 2024. So it's coming up here uh, in the next few months. Just
0: around the corner here. It's going to be epic. You know, what, what you and I are able to bring to the table through said devotion and all the things that we've already been talking about this show, um, is really going to make for a very unique medicinal transmission type of couples retreat that, you know, you're just not going to find somewhere else because you and I are bringing our own unique medicine.
1: It's going to be deep. It's going to be powerful and it will be held in the Austin area. We sent out a survey um, a couple months ago asking people just what they wanted because we can do all kinds of different things between each of our skill sets and um, understandings about uh, the nature of relationships and all that. And, um, the vast majority of people wanted to do it here in Austin. And we were like, great. We don't have to, you know, have everyone spend their money to fly to Mexico or some exotic location. We can do it right here. And also the vast majority of people wanted it to be for couples. And so that's what we're doing. lukestorycom slash higher power couple. And for those of you who are not currently in, um, a relationship and are like, Oh, bummer. I would like to do that. And you know, um, explore calling in a conscious partnership. We'll be doing that, uh, probably later in the year for, for singles yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah.
0: We're going to whip something up. That's yeah. A little bit different for, for the singles ready for sacred union. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for this. I've, we, you know, this name got downloaded into, uh, us on a walk when we used to live in Laurel Canyon back in the Los Angeles era of our lives. And, um, so it's been, like you said, a long time in the making, and I'm really glad that it has arrived. And um, I also love that it will most likely be in a more immersive nature-based environment that will really allow for the type of depth and transformation um, that I want to happen and a retreat that I facilitate and for the people who feel called to attend, like, It happens in an environment like that. So
1: yeah, it's got it's got to be in nature, and um, more off grid, secluded. Yeah, secluded from the world. Not in a hotel in downtown Austin. (laughs) So Uh,
0: before I don't know how close to wrapping up you are, but I do have some listener questions. Remember how I I put on Instagram stories? Yeah,
1: go for it. Because the rest of my stuff is uh, is just kind of rattling off some lists and things like that.
0: I haven't edited. which ones I want to ask. And quite a few of you wrote in. So thank you to all of you who did. Um, so I'm just in real time trying to pick which ones feel the best. Um, this one's somewhat interesting because it's pretty specific. What is your favorite way to manifest dreams and goals together? Like, I don't know if I've really ever thought about that. I mean,
1: we do that all the time. I mean, right here at our altar, which we haven't done in a while, actually, specifically up here. But what comes to mind for me is the most obvious and probably what we've done more than anything is just doing our prayers together. You know, and our prayers usually um, typically either one of us or sometimes both of us will speak to source and um out loud and verbalize first and foremost uh things for which we're grateful and even i think in terms of asking for things that we'd like to manifest our prayers are essentially giving thanks for those things as if they've already happened
0: and also may most benevolent high God, may your will be done. You know, we're always, that's always the ultimate prayer. No matter what specific goal we may be um, speaking to at our altar, we always give it back to God.
1: Yeah. I, I think the way that it usually goes down and there's not like, we don't have like a set protocol that's written on a stone tablet somewhere or anything, but, you know, we each have our goals and dreams individually and they're mostly intertwined because our lives are so intertwined that um, it seems that we each bring our highest priorities to our prayers together and um, you know if you're working on bringing something into your experience or our experience you might lead that particular prayer session more and likewise, if it's um, something that's kind of been on my list and things that I want to manifest, um, like, for example, um, selling the business, you know, that was something that was in my prayers, like, God, show us what to do here. What <laughs> Jesus is
0: Jesus and Mary, yeah, please show us the way. <laughs> exactly. It's one of my songs.
1: And, um, you know, so that might be something that's more pertinent to my life, but also affects both of our lives. And so I might bring that. But yeah, I, th- I think the power of the Holy Trinity, you know, is kind of how I think of it as my soul and your soul in harmonious communion and bringing our gratitude and um, and desires into our prayer, I think is, is one of the main ways.
0: Yeah. Also, um, working with fire and smoke is a big one for me and maybe as a by proxy for you, but I love... I'm a I'm a firekeeper kind of gal. Um, and so, yeah. And, and I think this past year, 2023, more than any other time in my life, working with the medicine and power of fire and smoke specifically have been so at the forefront. I mean, even my work going back to through smoke inhalation, most likely getting the pneumonia as a newborn baby and like transmuting and like all the months and months and months of dedicated healing, transmutation, alchemization work that I did, you know, to, I don't know if rebirthing my birth story is the right way of putting it. But, you know, that was all through fire, lightning, smoke, you know, medicine. So we go in the backyard a lot. We have a fire pit. um, And I can usually tell when it's time, you know, and I'll tell him like, Hey, I think tonight is, is a, is a fire night. And so I'll also attune to, are there certain offerings um, to give to sacred, what I refer to as sacred grand fire? Um, you know, cause when I'm working with fire, I'm not looking at it as just a flame. It's the most ancient medicinal teacher known to planet earth is is fire so i'm speaking with a most ancient spirit and guide um benevolent ally i'm i'm communing with and speaking with a living being um and so sometimes we'll work with the fire and smoke to clear and sometimes we work with it to call in and depending upon what what uh direction we're going, then I will attune to, are we working with cedar to send prayers up? Are we working more with mugwort for a cremation purification ceremony? Um, But fire smoke work is big.
1: And also we uh, do periodic ritual baths too. Oh yeah, fill up the big bath with uh when
0: our, when we can get our bath we're working.
1: Yeah, properly. it wasn't working the other day. That
0: we're, was hilarious.
1: She was all annoyed. She's like, "We need to get someone over here." So I called our our uh, our handyman Marius. or texted him. I was like, "Dude, we're not getting any water." And he goes, "You got to clear out the screen. There was like some sediment in the screen." But yeah, we'll put um, crystals and essential oils and magnesium salts and things like that in the bath, and just um, you know take dedicated time to connect with one another Um, not necessarily with the intention of manifesting goals or something like that but just to make sure that we remain unified so that anything we're doing individually on the metaphysical or physical plane has the bonding of our union you know it's another way to remember to come together because what motivates me and that's probably why I've been so productive over the past few years since we've been together is the efforts that I put forth and the work that I do now have a much higher purpose because they're also to serve our family unit, you know, currently a four, hopefully to be a five. Um, and so, you know, even though the work I do is, um, I think of it as a service to humanity for the people that, um, you know, are inspired or educated by the stuff that I put out into the world. So it's always been meaningful and not um, self-centered in that sense, because I could do other things that make money that don't really help broad numbers of people. But um, I have a much higher purpose now because, um, you know, supporting our family and our future and our goals and dreams and all of that. And it reminds me, of how important the things that I want to manifest when it comes to my career and work when we're together, because I'm energizing that for a higher purpose other than just my own comfort or ways in which I can help people in the world. It's like they directly affect you and your quality of life and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I think even when I'm working on manifesting the life that I want for myself, it's not just for me, it's for us. Mm -hmm. And so you as my as my muse, um, give me a lot of motivation. I think that's one of the beautiful things about being in partnership, right? Is, is there's that, again, that Trinity of you, you share a common goal. I mean, that's given that you share values and you're on the same sort of moral standing together and the things that are important to you are also important to your partner on a fundamental level. But I don't think there's a way that we couldn't be manifesting the life that we want because we know that it's the foundation of how we share time together, right? So if we want to manifest after going to Costa Rica, for example, um, wow, we'd really like to spend more time here. What does that look like? God, if this could be your will, show us what the next steps are or Mm -hmm. how we might do that. And I think things manifest a lot faster and also in a more meaningful way when there's a Higher purpose of the, the foundation of the relationship being served.
0: Yeah. Um, as I'm looking at these, uh, so we answered at sf siren underscore, and then um, breath with Julia and Catherine Ducey. Um, looks like we what we've already chatted about should have hopefully answered a couple of the questions that you both sent in. So I hope I'm correct in that. Couple of people asking, like, what is typical day or daily spiritual practices? And then that kind of coincides with another one who asked, any practices or rituals to stay connected. I always think of us with like guitar and the silly medicine songs channeling in. Like, I really love and value and cherish our time together in that way. That always feels really special. The fact that for many years in your life, played in bands and um, already when we came together, already had a lot of guitar. Uh, ability. And then somehow, oh, it came to me in the ayahuasca ceremony. I was like, how did the, how did the call to learn guitar? I forgot for a second how that happened, but yeah, it was through grandmother medicine. Um, I was instructed, yeah, that that was a next major focus for me was to learn guitar. And I had honestly, you know, I play a lot of shamanic instruments and I'm very masterful at guiding, um, drumming shamanic journeys, but guitar just wasn't on my radar. And um, so I was really pleasantly surprised when it came in during that medicine night. Um, And it's just been one of my greatest joys. You know, last year for my birthday, you got my my own uh, guitar. And yeah, even some days where it's just five minutes and I'm just trying to stretch my fingers out to get that one chord or whatever it is, whether it's longer times or not, um, I think that's a really unique way that we're able to come together, that we both play guitar and like to sing and fart around with music.
1: Yeah, that brings to mind two other important points. One of them is, um, (laughs) is so powerful, but seemingly insignificant. And that is many times throughout the day, every day, um, one of us will make a point to come have nice, long connecting hugs together. And even more specifically to breathe one another, you know, to sink our breath and just spend some time breathing together. And it's, it's crazy. I don't know if i shared this with you actually, but I have all of these different health gadgets and bio-healing tools around the house and some of them give you energy and some of them calm you down. But um, nothing settles my nervous system more than just taking a few moments to co-regulate with you and just breathe. Like if I'm stressed out or having anxiety, if I'm in my office just grinding and I'm like, oh my God, I'm forgetting to breathe and I'm you know, just sort of, um, yeah, just experiencing some kind of stress, just taking you know, a 60 second to a two minute breath together is a really powerful way to not only connect with you, but also to just ground myself back into the reality of life. So that that's a really important way. And that's also something we do often um, when we pray together too, we'll often start of just holding each other, breathing, looking at each other's eyes, just getting in a a great feeling and emotional state. And then the other one, which I'm surprised I forgot. um, For me, some of our most potent bonding experiences have been in medicine ceremonies. Mm. And um, even on my own, because we're so connected um, and in those realms, there's no separation on the soul level because you're erasing time and space and you're in a quantum field of no time and space. And I've had all sorts of telepathic conversations and experiences with you, whether you were physically present or not, but also in some of the experiences that we've shared together, wherein there's um, a depth of intimacy and honesty and overall connectivity that has been extremely meaningful to me just being able to one experience that comes to mind is just looking over at you in an ayahuasca ceremony and you you know the story obviously because you were there but i was i was just i don't know i just sat up and this is one of the rare cases where this particular um journey happened during the daytime which is not typical of that particular medicine, at least not in my experience, um, but it was daytime, so it was lit. We're on our mats next to one another, and I had this whole fucking trippy-ass experience where I looked at Allison, and I saw her as this ancient soul that was just... She was just looking at me and... it's like not, I mean, words can't even describe it. It's pathetic to even try to attribute words to what the experience was. But what happened was, is I looked into her eyes and I saw this ancient soul and I saw how old our connection is and how deep our connection is. And I got this sense that, oh, it's almost like, she had come back for me almost to retrieve my soul into love, not romantic love, but like capital L love. And, um, and she, without, I don't know what was going on with you. I mean, we've talked about it and you're like, I was just sitting there looking at you, you know, basically. But she did a healing on me uh, that was like, to the core of my being and I just was wailing. I mean, I don't know if I've ever cried like that in my life and I wasn't crying because I was having thoughts about anything. It was a no thought cry. It was just a transmission from Allison's soul to mine. And it was a healing transmission that was melting lifetimes of suffering from my being you know, after an experience like that, my perspective of you as my wife and as my partner is never the same. You know, I don't just, I don't take you for granted. In other words, it's not that I ever did, but it's, you know, I'm just hanging out in the house. Oh yeah, it's my wife over there, whatever. It's like when I look at you, I see that person or that soul, that being that I saw that day. And so um, in terms of, deepening our intimacy and our love and um, contextualizing the higher purpose of our relationship, peak experiences like that have informed that for me. And there's no unknowing it or unlearning it or unexperiencing it because once I saw that, I couldn't unsee it. I can forget it, but I have a touch point to go back to that when I look at you, it's like, whoa, holy shit. This is a powerful being and uh, a powerful being that has a tremendous amount of love for me, you know, and that sees me really, really sees me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That was so powerful and beautiful because yeah, like you said, the, the room was very illuminated and, you know, for anyone, um well-versed in being called into sacred plant medicine ceremony, you know, yes, typically it's very dark and it's at night or all through the night. And so, yeah, to be in a well-lit, populated, fully populated room. Um, and for the most part, this final day was the lighter dosage day. And, you know, most people not in a full-on experience, but you were. And I think that was, I mean, everything's always perfect in those experiences. Um, but yeah, I can only imagine for those others in the room, you know, being witness to that. Like I know our friend Ashel who, um, yeah, he, he reflected something really beautiful in the closing sharing. He's, you know, just how he saw in us this other level intimacy. And he didn't say this, but like, I keep thinking of into me, you see, you know, intimacy. And that's literally, we were laying there on those cots, facing each other, just doing nothing, but staring into each other's eyes for what do you think? Like an hour, hour and a half, at least.
1: It was a while. Like
0: just, that's all that was happening was staring and a transmission and a soul level experience and a soul level communication and healing that was happening just simply by into me, you see, and you saw the ancient medicine woman in me and you saw, yeah, our purpose together as a couple and, um, and yeah, those ancient whales, those ancient clearings. Oh my gosh. There's nothing like those. They're so beyond words, cathartic.
1: It was hardcore. Well, also that day, um, I had expressed to the facilitators that I wanted more medicine. <laughs> so I was also um I mean it wasn't a big challenge, but part of it was since everyone else was kind of chilling. Yeah. Like people weren't having that kind of experience and I wasn't planning to. I just, you know, for whatever reason, I felt like I wanted to go a bit deeper. So they gave me um more medicine. And um I was kind of there were moments when my ego would like peek through the fog and be embarrassed because we're like in a room with a bunch of people and people are just hanging out in a light sort of energy and I am wailing, bawling and it would not stop <laughs> you know? and then it would kind of subside. And then I'd look back over at you and it would just come back. I mean, it was like ancient lifetimes of some sort of pain and suffering that was not, as I said, it wasn't even identifiable. I wasn't thinking about a traumatic memory. It was just like, whoa, there is some hurt inside me that goes way back and it is deep deep grief and you know so after to the point of that question and this isn't going to be appropriate for all people but in our path every once in a while periodically we have an experience like that and they've been extremely bonding for me and helped me to um go deeper into my trust of of you and of us and um and also just to not only the healing nature of truly being seen and being that vulnerable and transparent, but as I said, also just the ways in which I honor you and see you beyond the surface of you as Allison's story, you know, like the person behind your body and the person behind your eyes and your beauty and your personality and your intellect and all those things that present at the forefront of who you are. Like, I know who you are. way past that
0: yeah i'm so grateful for that
1: and that you know and that's that's a bond that is not limited to this incarnation you know it's a different it's a different level of of bond you know so i'm most grateful for that um but we we have just a few minutes here so i wanted to (laughs) rattle off a couple other things here um, one thing that, uh, has been a huge change this year. And I just had a podcast that came out. I don't have the number in front of me with Dr. Kevin Winters. My dentist was, uh, I had reached a point from being a drug addict and then a vegetarian and God knows what else that my teeth were just completely trashed and beyond repair with any kind of holistic dentistry. So as you know, I went through a, six month process of um getting new teeth and many people have asked on my social media like what did you get veneers like you look different and some people have like clowned on me for getting fake teeth um and some people are just curious but um yeah i really had no choice but to get new teeth cuz i couldn't even like chew food my They're teeth little
0: were little tiny shards little
1: yellow nubs um So that was like, that was a lot. I mean, that was quite an intense experience. I'm on the other side of it now. Still takes a little getting used to. I'm a little bit insecure about it just because I don't know, when I look in the mirror and smile, I just look weird to me. Um, So it's good for my ego to have to have that experience and learn how to disidentify from physical form and not get hung up on, you know, how I appear and things like that. But that was a huge project.
0: But and, I want you to feel like happy and proud of your teeth and smile. Cause it's like before when there were those little tiny nubs, I noticed you would kind of hide your smile and you're such a handsome man. I always be like, Oh, you always look so cute when you smile, but I understood why you would temper it. But it's like, I don't want the same thing to repeat now that you have these bigger new teeth. <laughs> You know, Um, do you find yourself like hiding your smile still with the new teeth because of?
1: If I'm being totally honest, which I always do my best to be on this show sometimes. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a weird feeling to just look totally different. Um, but that said, I'm extremely grateful for the great care that I got. And, um, and I also, I mean, it wasn't just like getting new teeth, I moved my whole bite. So my whole way I chew food and breathe and sleep and everything and my back pain and neck pain is better. And
0: yeah, you didn't just go into the dental chair and sit down one day and get new teeth. It was like, I mean, it was at least six months of you preparing your body through physical therapy and like all these modalities at home to like slowly shift your... um, jaw and skull and spine and, I mean, preparing your body for that day.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a, a skeletal and muscular upgrade and a huge change. Uh, but that that was a big thing this year. Another thing I did was doing the aqua method with Dr. Marcella Madera with the laser-guided stem cells and, and all that, which was another, you know, like a week-long intensive that was a really beautiful experience and had um, great benefit. I think if I was more disciplined about doing the exercises they gave me, it would be more beneficial, but um, I've had a difficult time kind of adhering to the plan, but that was a really incredible experience for which I'm grateful. Recently, I'm doing a medicine journey with Dr. Samuel Lee, who was also on the show recently where we unpacked that. That was a really um, empowering experience for me and something that stands out this year. Uh, In terms of health, I've been really focusing on sleep and really, really working on dialing that in. The great thing about you being uh, a morning person is you go to bed hella early. So for the first time in my life, I'm sometimes going to bed at like 9.30 or 10 at night, which is unheard of. I got this new device uh, that I'm testing out called a Tech that uh, goes under the bed and you wear a little wearable bracelet. And it's really effective for not only helping you sleep, but helping your sleep architecture so that you have the proper ratios of RAM and deep sleep. There'll be more on that later. Been working on my liver. I've been told by many practitioners that I have a stagnant liver, if not on my way to fatty liver. So I've been stepping up the uh, coffee enemas and doing the liver gallbladder Indeed
0: cleansing. he has. <laughs> yes. on, a, on a typical morning I can venture into the bathroom and Papa's laying there with Coffee going in the rear,
1: yeah, and you know that's unconditional love uh, when your partner is allows that to take place. Um, the only real complaint I have in terms of my health, I feel like my sleep's better, never, my energy's better, never. I'm healthier than I've ever been for sure at I turned fifty three um, a couple months ago but my uh, tinnitus or tinnitus as some call it is is still just completely off the charts. However, I'm hopeful this year, this coming year, I'm working with Dr. Kristen Kinnear at uh, Illuminear. She's a famed audiologist here in Austin. And so I've been working with her every couple of weeks and doing some, different exercises and things like that. Yeah, and then,
0: you get your little meter out at gatherings.
1: Yeah, so I'm, you know, working how to reprogram my subconscious and get out of my limbic system and stop freaking out about the sound I hear in my ears. And then we're about to start something called Linear, which is a, um, I think it's from Austria, if I'm not mistaken. And it's a very effective um, treatment that my dad's had great success with. So we're going to start that with her soon. Some of my, my favorite podcasts of the year, and please nobody feel left out. These are all ones that were more meaningful to me on a spiritual metaphysical consciousness um, level. I've interviewed a lot of great people about physical health and products and things like that. um, Many of which were just covered in that list I gave you. But these are the ones that like really warmed my heart. Uh, I would say if I had to pick this year and maybe even of all time, honestly was Veda Austin, the water episode, uh, which also is the most shared episode this year on Spotify. So, for the people that listen to this show on Spotify, it was the most shared. And
0: my like... most shared on Ceremony Circle was with Naba, Dogon High Priest, Nabi, really? and Mira. Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. What was your most downloaded on Spotify?
0: Uh, Mama Medicine Healing the Witch Wound.
1: Oh, cool. My most downloaded was Dave Asprey. Oh, interesting. But you know, those metrics aren't that accurate because it's only people that listen to podcasts on Spotify. Most of my people listen on iTunes. Yeah. But I was happy for Veda because she's such a beautiful person. That episode just blew my freaking mind. Uh, Another favorite was uh, recently, uh, Dr. Ibrahim Karim mm,
0: yeah, on that biogeometry. Cool. Yeah, I was into that one.
1: That one was really wild, talking about reincarnation and non-duality and so on.
0: Egyptian shamanism, yeah. animal totem work.
1: Incredible. Uh, Dr. Samuel Lee, who I mentioned, talking about his uh, plant medicine and psychedelic protocols. Uh, Naba Irita, that I guessed I got from you. That was one of my favorites. Uh, Alex Zek, talking about freedom and um, the illusion of... Virology and the myth of authority, uh Rick Rubin, when I did out in Malibu that i I worked on for a couple of years, we finally got that done, and that mm-hmm. was a, a great conversation. Another one was Mark Gaffney, who uh, Aubrey introduced me to, just a brilliant philosopher. Mm-hmm. We had a really deep convo. Bruce crier from the Heart Math Institute that was one of oh, my he yeah, was sweet absolute sweetheart, um genuine, wise guy. Uh, the one on which You're, you're
0: pro- a wise guy.
1: Wise guy. Huh? Uh-huh. You think you're funny, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, one that I probably laughed the most. Well, I probably laughed the most during Alex Jones, but technically that's a 2024 episode, which was just hilarious at times. But the other one was, of course, J.P. Sears. Um, and that wasn't even like J.P., J.P. doing comedy, but he's just such a clever and funny guy that uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, one that I really learned a lot from um, was Dr. Nicole LaPera. Oh yeah. The holistic psychologist.
0: Oh yeah. It's funny. I, um, because I knew we were recording today. I did a screenshot because I knew we would talk about this, but just today she posted hugs, calm the nervous system, more hugs, less advice.
1: Wow. There it is. Proof.
0: She was also Uh, on Ceremony Circle and that was another one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, she's just brilliant. I mean, just the amount of valuable content she puts out about emotional healing and psychology is insane. Super on point. Uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup, fiery one there. We had a really good time. Uh, One that was really meaningful to me and deeply affirmative and healing was uh, Gabor Mate. Uh, That was a really special one, especially after we stopped recording and some things that he shared with me that were really, really beautiful. And um, and as I said, affirming. And uh, my two favorite books this year are The Most Dangerous Superstition by uh, Larkin Rose, who An I'll be Animal having-
0: Animal Power by Alison Charles yeah. story.
1: Who I'll be having on the podcast. That's always a favorite, honey. Uh, Larkin Rose will be on the show soon. And I'm hoping to- Host a screening for his new film, uh, Mr. Jones Plantation. And I will say that The Most Dangerous Superstition as a book is by far the most important book I've ever read in my life, with the exception of books on spirituality. Um, And the premise of that book is that we are living under a hallucination, a delusion, that any person or group of persons has the inherent right to rule over another. So it totally dispels the left and right, Republican, Democrat illusion and states very plainly and convincingly that no one is bestowed with the right to coerce or control any other human being. It is mind-blowing. And the next one would be The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin co-written by my friend, Neil Strauss. Uh, Amazing book on creativity.
0: My favorite book this year. And I took many, many year hiatus for for just intuitive reasons. I I used to read tons and tons and tons of books. Every place I would move all around the country, I was reboxing and lugging around, you know, sometimes probably hundreds of books just because I love books so much. And then I think there's probably eight or 10 years where I didn't buy, order, read any book. I just needed a break. Um, But after such a long hiatus, I got the intuitive hit um, to recently get, I've always loved Pema And If people ask me like favorite author, I usually always list her. Um, But I was just so enthralled by and so deeply grateful for her book, The Places That Scare You. Highly recommend.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You ordered those books and I, I, since we've been together, you've not been in a reading phase. And I've always found that funny because you, you have so much wisdom and much of the wisdom that I've been able to acquire has been from reading spiritual books and then doing what they say to do.
0: Mine comes from inside me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I was, when you got those books, I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. I I love uh, Pema myself. Uh, things about which I'm really excited this year and then we'll get out of here and you can share yours. Uh, First and foremost is our retreat.
0: Oh, and you literally have to get out of here. Yeah.
1: I'm going for my third um, EBO2 blood, uh, uh, what is it? Um, Ultraviolet blood irradiation and ozone dialysis. It's for mold that I found in my body and free mitochondria and all kinds of stuff. But our retreat is the thing I'm most pumped about as we move into this new Iron year. Higher Power for Couple
0: sure. Retreat 2024.
1: Yep, end of May. I'll be launching a new website in Q1 that I've been working on for almost a year. Uh, mm-hmm. It's taken much longer than I thought it would, but it's going to be beautiful. And for you, longtime or regular listeners, you're going to be stoked because it will have a search feature on all of the past podcast archives, so you can go in and search a guest name or a topic. Uh, it's going to have an incredibly robust online store. So right Can now- Can you
0: search like a product?
1: Yep, hell yeah. Because this is, I get so many messages and DMs from oh people. Hey, what do you recommend for the EMF or mattresses or whatever it is? And then I go on and like web search it, find a link and then I send it to people. So now you'll be able to go to lukestory.com slash store, put in water filter and you'll go to that particular product or section. And it's also just, the site has more functionality and it's more representative of who I am. I mean, my site right now is total trash. It's just a Squarespace site that I threw up in 2016. I've never changed it or updated it. It's a train wreck. So I'm really excited about that. Um, And then uh, on the health tip this year, in the mail right now is a machine called the AquaCure, which produces something called Brown's Gas. And I've been into this stuff for a long time. Finally pulled the trigger on that and we'll be interviewing its creator, George Wiseman, Uh, very shortly too. So that episode will be coming out. I'm really excited to do some deep healing with that particular machine. And then lastly, would be really continuing my commitment to meditation and breath work, which I've been doing forever. But I feel now more than ever that this is critical for me to be the best version of myself and to make my contribution to humanity by being the most loving and compassionate person that I possibly can Mm -hmm. to myself, to you, to our pets Mm -hmm. and to everyone I know and to everyone that listens to this show.
0: Not getting in a conversation because I know we need to wrap right now, but I think a curious pondering in 2024 could be the definitions of love and compassion and expanding your horizons for the highest way in which love can function and be expressed from you because I think oftentimes we get very programmed of like be the most loving person you can be and then when you ask yourself okay if I'm feeling resentment towards this person? What's the most loving thing I can do or be for that person? I think we get very programmed as to how that expression of love is quote-unquote supposed to look and feel like. So my invitation is to expand beyond boxes and boundaries and open your horizons as to truly, when you truly investigate that, how the form, highest form of compassion emitting from you, how the highest form of love emitting from you can and should work in said scenarios and situations, I think the answer might surprise you.
1: Absolutely. Because
0: that might look as like staunch boundaries or...
1: Setting boundaries in an unhealthy dynamic is probably the most loving thing you can do for yourself and the other person. For all. Yeah, Yeah. to stop the perpetuation of dysfunctional cycles. Yeah. Uh, You guys go to LukeStory.com. Wait, no. What is it? No. uh, LukeStoryMerch.com. And you Mm. can get your vitamin D's nuts. (laughs) Sure. represent. No, I really want you guys to go check out the merch. It's super fun. I put my heart and soul into it. I just
0: realized you should do a a shirt with Cookie's face on it.
1: I'm doing it. I love it. Because people
0: love Cookie. I'm
1: going to do that. The Cookie Monster. Absolutely. All right. Um, I want to thank everyone watching and listening From the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate each and every one of you that tunes in. This year, we also hit 13 million downloads, which is astonishing. And um, Solid. Every time I get positive feedback, and even when I get critical feedback, I'm so appreciative of that. Um, The critical feedback is welcome because it helps me do what I do um, in in the best way possible. And when you guys share these shows with your friends and family, Um, It's really helpful. I don't advertise this show. I post things on social media. Um, The only way people really find out about the Lifestylist podcast is from you sharing it. So by all means, please continue to do so. And um, more than anything, I just wanna thank everyone for listening um, and allowing me to continue to have these illuminating and expansive conversations that are such a benefit to my life and um, hopefully to all the lives who listen.
0: Amen. And here's to beautiful miracles in 2024 and beyond. Woo-wee, what a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website alisoncharles.com and also in my weekly ceremony circle podcast instagram posts at IamAllisonCharles, charles so it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them and fam you know by now all the heart i put into creating this show And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all. If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal, and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love.